It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's episode of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, after seeing the Dodgers add the most expensive DH in MLB history, the D-backs are in the market for their own designated hitter. So on today's podcast, we are power ranking the free agent designated hitters that we would most like to see join the Arizona Diamondbacks. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com to see all of my latest work. On today's podcast, we'll be talking about the offseason some more, some DH free agent candidates I would love to see the D-backs add after just witnessing the Dodgers give out the largest contract in American sports history to a DH. So who should the D-backs go after to match up with Shohei Otani? We'll be talking about that on today's podcast. But before we get into it, I first want to say... Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. But now, let's jump right into the podcast and discuss some free agent DH candidates that the D-backs should go after and target. Some of these names you've already heard me discuss on the podcast, but now actually have it in order. I think I've done podcasters discussing the DH candidates, but now I actually put it in order. The level of joy and happiness I would feel going in descending order. We're going to start with the number one DH target that I have. He would make me the most happy, and then we'll go in descending order of the guys from most happy to least happy if they join the Arizona Diamondbacks. Because, of course, Shohei Otani just got 700 mil with 98% of it being deferred. And so the D-backs are going to have to make some moves if they want to keep up with the Dodgers in the NLS and the National League. And I've discussed on yesterday's podcast that I'm not too worried about the Dodgers once we get to a postseason setting. But that doesn't mean the D-backs should be done adding to their team. I think a DH who could potentially play other defensive positions could be really valuable for the D-backs, both in the regular season to score runs and in the postseason for that defensive versatility. And just FYI, quick note before we get into the podcast, Locked On MLB is officially in off-season mode, so you're now just going to get three podcasts a week from me. I think I'm going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday as my plan, or like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll see. But for now, I think I'm going to keep it to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'll let you guys know if anything changes. But now let's start the power ranking of the DH candidates we would most like to see come to the D-backs. We're going to start reverse, or I guess normal pyramid style, with number one, the target. I would be happiest if they joined the D-backs. 
Number one, J.D. Martinez, which I don't think is a surprise to anyone. J.D. Martinez is someone that we've already seen with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he absolutely crushed it in his short time in AEZ, was acquired for just 62 games after the trade deadline, and 29 home runs, 62 games, 1,100 OPS. If the D-backs and baseball had a universal DH, Back in the 2018 offseason, there's not a doubt in my mind that the D-backs probably get to that five for like 110, whatever he signed for with the Red Sox, because it honestly wasn't that crazy, the deal that he signed for with the Red Sox, and considering he was like a star player year after year with Boston, one of the best offensive players in the game, fourth in MVP voting that first season with Boston, he would have been a perfect player with the D-backs if they had the universal DH, but now they do, and it's their opportunity to bring JD back in the fold. Just spent a season with the LA Dodgers, so I love that little insider info that you can tell us about the pitching staff because JD Martinez is one of the most cerebral players in Major League Baseball. Back when I used to watch him with Boston, he would always be in the clubhouse on the iPad with Mookie Betts talking about the, the approach you need for the pitchers on the mound, the type of swings that was working for him. Like, he's such a, a, a stu- such a student of the game. Not to think of the cliche that I want to say. JD's such a student of the game. He's someone that can rub off on these younger players. Like, I would love to see JD Martinez and Corbin Carroll in a room dissecting film and all that. JD Martinez, I think, is someone whose style of play can rub off on the rest of the team. And from a production standpoint, even though he's in his mid-30s, still a baller. His strikeout rate went a little bit up last year, and his walk rate went a little bit down. But he still displayed as much power as any season in his career. When you look at the hard contact numbers, he crushes both righties and lefties. This is not someone that has to platoon. It doesn't matter what side of the plate they're pitching to. J.D. Martinez can crush both righty pitchers and lefty pitchers. And most importantly, as a right-handed bat, with the power standpoint that the D-backs desperately need, he is also someone that can come through for you in the clutch. A righty power bat that could come through with runners in scoring position. The D-backs really need that. He would be a perfect middle-of-the-order bat. Slide him into that number four right ahead of Christian Walker. Or maybe you drop down, like, if you don't want to do Gabriel Moreno on your number three spot again, you could go, like, Carroll. Marte, J.D., Christian Walker, nasty one through four, 325 average, over 1,000 OPS or runners in scoring position. J.D. Martinez can hit anywhere in the lineup. He's a professional hitter, and he's been one of the best hitters in baseball over the last decade, and a reunion with the D-backs would bring a major, major smile to my face. Number two, and of course, the D-backs have been heavily linked to J.D. Martinez. Just want to throw that out there. Number two in our power ranking is another guy the D-backs have been linked to, Jorge Soler. He is a pretty good player and has been a pretty good player throughout his career. Not a superstar or anything like that. I think J.D. Martinez is an offensive superstar. I think the rest of this list has players with high upside as offensive players or players that can at least be all-stars when they hit their ceiling. But I think J.D. Martinez, year in, year out, obviously doesn't play the field, but 
He's maybe the best offensive DH since like a big poppy of someone that just bats every single day. I guess Otani you could throw in that mix too, considering he doesn't play the field. But dudes in Major League Baseball of the last decade who doesn't play the field, it's like Ortiz, it's like Otani, and then it's like J.D. Martinez. I think J.D. Martinez is a tier one offensive superstar. The rest of the list, I don't consider as highly, but a guy like Jorge Soler, very good player throughout his career. All-star this past season in 2023 as he hit 36 home runs with over an 850 OPS. One of the best strikeout rates of his season, or excuse me, one of the best strikeout rates of his career this past season with a double-digit walk rate. So you like to see the K numbers go down with the walk rate going up, and you hope that can sustain itself because Jorge Soler throughout his career has been a little bit of a yo-yo player. That would be the biggest concern with Soler because if you go year by year, like starting in 2019, which was his big breakout season, 2019, 48 home runs over a 900 OPS. We won't count 2020. Then 2021, he still had 27 home runs, but just a 749 OPS and 223 average. And then 2022, but 2021, I would say, is the 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 yo-yo going up because 2020, even though it was a COVID-shortened season, was a down year for him in terms of power. Power went back up in 2021 with 27 bombs. 2022, below a 700 OPS, just 13 home runs. But then in 2023, back up, 36 home runs, over 800 OPS. So if you go just year by year, literally like every other year, he displays great power, good OPS, good numbers across the board. And then in like the even years, that's where he's normally struggling. And part of it's also just because of health and injuries. So if you get a fully healthy Solaire over the course of a full season and he hits his ceiling, that's a near 40 home run guy with like, an 800 to 900 OPS, a real run producer in the middle of your lineup, a real power threat in the middle of your lineup. Like you go month by month for Miami, power, power, power every single month. This is someone that is not JD Martinez against lefties and righties, but he's not too shabby against lefties. Absolutely crushes over a thousand OPS against lefties, but still 788 against righties and his Average of runners in scoring position, not the best, just 236, but at least an 835 OPS. So he does do enough from a power standpoint with runners in scoring position. And overall, from a power standpoint, one of the best power righty uh, you know, outfielders in the game currently. Don't like him as much offensively as a J.D. Martinez, but if we did sign a Soler as a D.H., and he can play a little outfield as well, you don't want to make him an everyday outfielder. You'll probably prefer... Some combination of McCarthy, Thomas, and uh, Fletcher as your lefty, as your left fielder and center fielder. But if you want to do some days where you platoon Soler in left field, you definitely could do that. And as your everyday DH, he's a real power threat with a Christian Walker and a Eugenio Suarez. That's a nasty power one, two, three combo. And then the final target that I want to talk about in segment number one, who's number three on my power ranking list, is Reese Hoskins, who is a very good. A very good potential buy low candidate does carry some risk, but I think he's also, I think he also has the potential to be high reward as well because this is someone coming off a torn ACL, didn't play at all last year. So if you're talking about buy low candidate with upside, but does have a low risk, I think Reese Hoskins can be perfect because you just don't know what a player is going to be like after injury. But a sport like baseball, we don't need your athleticism as much. You're swinging the bat mostly, and we're talking about DH candidates. Like, if we don't even want to play the field that much, just swing the bat. 
I think I'm okay with the player post-torn ACL. And he can still be someone that plays first base every now and then to give Christian Walker a rest. And if that knee is feeling good, when he first broke into the league, he was someone playing a little bit of outfield, a little bit of left field. So maybe you could give him a couple, a few innings in outfield throughout the season if you do trust that. I do like Reese Hoskins as another righty power bat that could come in and potentially do some damage with the Arizona Diamondbacks because you look at his last few years in Philadelphia, like the season right before he tore his ACL, 30 home runs, 27 home runs in 2021, 29 home runs in 2019, 34 home runs in 2018. Like this guy's pretty consistently around 30 home runs every single season. He did struggle on the road. Uh, his final season before getting hurt. So I always like to look at the home road splits. Are you someone that performs better just in front of your home ballpark? Maybe you're at a hitter-friendly ballpark. So a guy like Reese Hoskins did perform better at Citizens Bank Park. Just something to take into account. And also what's kind of weird, or not for Reese Hoskins, for the next guy I want to talk about, but Reese Hoskins, I thought he was the dude that was a right-handed batter that crushed righties but struggled against the lefties. I was mistaken. That's the next guy I want to talk about. But Reese Hoskins against righties, 750 OPS, and against lefties, over a 900 OPS. So not too shabby. We'll take above a 750 OPS against righties because there's quite a few players on this D-back team who can't even produce a 750 OPS over the course of a full season against righties and lefties. And so we'll take a 750 OPS if it's just against righties, and then that OPS goes all the way above 900 against lefties. Love that. And then Reese Hoskins, also that final year, was great in the clutch. Over a 900 OPS with runners in scoring position. I like Reese Hoskins a lot. The ACL makes me a little bit concerned. But in the sport of baseball, probably less risk than any other sport. A guy that's been a power bat. A guy that has played a little outfield in his career and could spell Christian Walker at first base. I think Reese Hoskins at 6'4", 245 could be a perfect first base slash DH option for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, if you think if the D-backs add any of these players and it would solidify their World Series chances in 2024, then why not place a little futures bet on the D-backs winning the World Series next year on FanDuel Sportsbook? Because score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. My favorite thing to do on FanDuel is the same-game parlay. Whenever the Lakers are playing, I like to take AD over in points, AD over in rebounds, and Lakers money line. And let me say, that bet is a lot better when the Lakers are playing a team below 500. Just keep that in mind. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. And if you like the show, please follow me on Twitter 
at queerthomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked on Dimebacks Ball Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But now, let's get back to the podcast, and let's continue our power ranking of DH candidates. I would be happy for the D-backs to go out there and acquire. Again, I'm doing this from descending order. I'm starting with number one, the guy that would make me the most happy, and then working my way down. Top three, J.D. Martinez, Jorge Soler, Reese Hoskins in that order. Number four now, Adam Duvall. Had a very solid season with the Red Sox last year. Adam Duvall is a dude who I think is a little bit of an enigma. I don't think we have a lot of Duvall conversations, but when you look at his stats, he's been a guy who, at moments, 30-plus home runs, over 800 OPS, like a really effective offensive piece. He was kind of that way for the Red Sox in 92 games last year. 21 home runs over 800 OPS with the Red Sox like he was kind of a baller before he before all the injuries started creeping in like those first couple months of the season last year Adam Duvall was a stud for the Boston Red Sox but there are some major red flags in some of the Duvall stats that you do have to be concerned about number one I am a guy that likes to look at the strikeout rate, and Duvall is a guy who has struck out over 30% of the time the last three seasons. He's a little bit feast or famine at times. I don't think he's on the level of a Kyle Schwarber or uh, who's the dude, Joey Gallo or Adam Dunn, because I do think he hits the ball consistently enough, but in terms of the strikeout numbers, he strikes out an absolute ton and his walk rate is below seven percent too so for how much he's striking out he's just not walking enough and I think that is a concern and a red flag but it wouldn't stop me from signing Adam Duvall because I still like him a lot does better against righties as a right-handed bat which I thought was a little bit weird that's why I almost said for Reese Hoskins but I was just looking too far ahead in my notes here uh, Adam Duvall above 850 OPS against righties and still above a 750 OPS against lefties. So as a right-handed bat, it's not like he's bad against the lefties. He just performed better against righties last year. Maybe just a w- one-year sample size. Let me see if I could pull up the numbers real quick for Adam Duvall in his career if he performs better against righties or lefties. But for at least 2023 for the Boston Red Sox, Duvall performed better against right-handed at-bats, which is always a little bit weird when you're a right-handed batter. And honestly, when you look at the career numbers for Adam Duvall that I have pulled up right now, 760 OPS against righties, 770 OPS against the lefties. So this is someone that has always been pretty even-keeled against both and coming off a season where he performed better against right-handed pitchers. And then if you do need to be a little bit more concerned with the stats of a Duvall past the strikeout rate, um... He was a guy that performed better at home last year. And to me, that matters a little bit more when you talk about a right-handed power bat in Fenway Park because of that short green monster. Yes, it's not short in terms of stature, but it's short in terms of distance because that thing is incredibly close. I think I could pepper some doubles off the green monster. 933 OPS at home, 745 OPS on the road. So that would be a little bit of a concern for me if I'm the Arizona Diamondbacks. But but I do love the fact that he had an 835 OPS, a runner's scoring position, and 989 OPS in high leverage moments. This was a dude who was super clutch last year in the sport of baseball. If the D-backs could get him on a reasonable price tag, I would definitely welcome Adam Duvall, a guy that could play a little outfield and DH as a right-handed power bat 
to this D-backs lineup. Number five, another dude that the D-backs have been linked to this offseason, Justin Turner, and another guy with that insider info on the LA Dodgers, which I would absolutely love. Now, Justin Turner does give me a little bit Evan Longoria vibes because Longoria, when he looked at his last couple seasons with the San Francisco Giants, he was still productive, probably not as productive as a Justin Turner, but he still showed pretty positive. Um, we looked at his numbers in terms of pop and power, still pretty positive, but Justin Turner, his numbers are are better than where they were with Evan Longoria when he signed with the D-backs. So even though I get similar vibes with Justin Turner comparing him to Longo, and he is 39 years old, I do think Turner's bat is still on another level than even that of a Longoria. He's coming off the second worst strikeout rate of his career this past season. And even with that being said, second worst strikeout rate of his career in 2023, it was still only 17.6%. I think the best strikeout rate of anyone I'm going to be talking about on today's podcast for his career, it's like 15%. Like, Turner is someone that does not strike out with an 8.2% walk rate. I love the fact that he does not strike out a lot and draws a decent amount of walks. He's also someone that is uh, pretty good against both righties and lefties. Like his OPS against righties, not super high, only 766, but does have a 273 average against righties. And his OPS against lefties this past season, 900. So, Absolutely crush lot, absolutely crush lefties as a right-handed bat, and also just maintain even keel approach against those righties. Like that's what I really look forward when, what I really look for when doing some of these evaluations with like the Solaires and the Turners and the Hoskins. Like you don't have to be elite like JD Martinez against both righties and lefties, but you just can't be atrocious. You can't just be bottom of the barrel. And at least the Turners, the Hoskins the Solaires of the world, they can at least hold their own against the platoon disadvantage, which I absolutely love. And Justin Turner is another one of those guys. And unlike Adam Duvall, home road splits from last year, pretty much identical, pretty much the same. So I wouldn't be concerned at all with a Justin Turner leaving Fenway Park. And then with runners in scoring position, 330 average, 943 OPS, Justin Turner was absolutely clutch for the Boston Red Sox last year. And I would love to see him be clutch for the Arizona Diamondbacks against his former team, the LA Dodgers, in 2024. Then the final guy that I want to discuss in segment number two is a Josh Bell, who I think is basically the switch hitting Justin Turner. Because when you look at his strikeout rate, his walk rate, and his hard contact stats, they're pretty much all very similar to Justin Turner's career numbers. Josh Bell is someone that does not strike out a ton, draws a decent amount of walks, and can really crush the ball. I love what he did with Miami down the stretch. Really strong second half. Really helped propel that team into the playoff mix. Now, what I don't like from him, nearly a 50% ground ball rate this past year. I think it is 50% for his career. And he's also someone not great against lefties, despite being a switch hitter. Only a 697 OPS against lefties this past year, but did have an 854 OPS against righties. So you do like to see that. I still like the fact that he can't switch hit. So if you need to platoon him with the, you know, if you want to platoon Christian Walker, sit him down, give him a rest. You can make your lineup a little bit more lefty heavy with Josh Bell at first base. And then maybe put another lefty like Dominic Fletcher or something 
in your DH spot. So I love the versatility of the switch hitter in Josh Bell, and I love the way he played in the second half of the season when games mattered. Maybe Josh Bell is just the guy that needs to be in a winning situation and needs to be in a winning environment because, honestly, if you look at his career, the the the, the years when Josh Bell is on a team that sucks, his numbers are down. The year when Josh Bell's in the years when Josh Bell is on a team that's fighting for something, his numbers seem to be better. So as long as the D-backs are winning, and I think they should be in 2024, I would expect Josh Bell to put up some pretty productive numbers for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, i got three more guys I want to discuss to wrap up this podcast of discussing the most enticing DH candidates that I want to see the D-backs add. But before we get there, I first have to tell you guys that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Let's wrap up the pod by discussing our final DH candidates that we would love to see the D-backs add. We've been going in descending order from the top, who I think is the best. That would make me the most happy if the D-backs signed them. Number one with JD, then it went Jorge Soler, Reese Hoskins, Adam Duvall, Justin Turner, and then Josh Bell at number six. We are on number seven with Jock Peterson, who is another guy insider info come over swap it with the d-backs once you're on our team we need all that insider info that you got from not just the san francisco giants but also the la dodgers a dude that can help us scheme against two teams in our division that's number one of why i wouldn't mind adding jock peterson he's also a guy doesn't strike out a ton only 20.9 k rate this past season with a super high walk rate 13.4 percent Jock Peterson knows how to get on base. And with the style play of the D-backs offense, which is get on base and let's create havoc and chaos, I love the way he approaches the game. I think his batting profile is something that could help out this D-backs lineup. The hard contact stats are really good. So he's someone that doesn't strike out a ton, someone that does draw a ton of walks and can crush the ball at the plate. I do love to see that. But my biggest concern for Jock Peterson is he might just be a platoon player. I don't know if you want to make him your everyday DH. Like, I think I'm okay if he's your everyday DH. But if he's like your everyday left fielder, I think it takes down his value a little bit. I think you're okay with your DH struggling in certain platoon situations if they're not playing the field all that much. I think it's okay in terms of the value. Um, in that aspect because Jock Peterson against the lefties 186 average 606 OPS against the lefties in 2023 and also he was another guy where you can actually make the reverse argument of like an Adam Duvall where San Francisco 
Not really a hitter's ballpark. Jock Peterson was someone that performed better on the road. 715 OPS at home, 811 OPS on the road. So for like a guy like Duval, a little bit concerning. A righty performing way better at home than on the road when you're playing in Fenway Park. But a guy like Jock Peterson performed better on the road. So maybe coming over to Chase Field is the perfect kind of hitter's environment that he would need. And he's also someone clutch in high leverage moments, 349 average, over 900 OPS in high leverage moments. Jock Peterson, I don't think is a perfect player. We did see his home runs go down a little bit when he's not crushing the fastball. The ball doesn't seem to, the ball doesn't seem to be flying off his bat as much. But I think Jock Peterson is a pretty solid player. And if he played 130 games for the D-backs at DH, I don't think that would be a negative at all. And I would actually welcome Jock Peterson to Arizona. And if we could somehow get Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham on the same team, wouldn't that be a reunion? Number eight, Hunter Renfro. Uh, this is, you know, the third segment is where names don't get as sexy. The third segment is where these guys, yeah, they could be your everyday, everyday DH, but if also you just want to play these guys 90 games as platoon players, I also don't think that would be a bad maneuver. Hunter Renfro. Strikeout rate and walk rate are similar to what they were in his career, but the power numbers are really where he's taken a little bit of a dip. The hard contact stats, they're starting to go in the wrong direction. His ground ball rate, that's starting to go up. You don't like to see that. His slugging percentage on his fastball, lowest since 2017, if you don't count the COVID year. Excuse me. I hope you guys didn't hear me burp. And let's be honest. We all don't count that COVID year, right? Uh, when I do stats and evaluations for these players, I never look at or care about the COVID year because it's just such a weird season. I, so I won't even look at it for Hunter Renfro. But still, slugging percentage on fastball, lowest since 2017. He struggled against both righties and lefties in 2023. If you want to look at a green flag for him, actually, it's not a green flag. Um, it's, it's still another red flag. He was someone that was better at home last year. 800 OPS at home, 641 on the road. So if you want to bring him over to Chase Field, you would have to be concerned they hit better in Milwaukee last year. And maybe he can't hit outside of Milwaukee going forward. Maybe that was the last stop in his career where he was going to put up good offensive production numbers. I don't know how much more Renfro has left in the tank. He's not very old, but it seems like the decline is there for a Renfro. Horrendous with runners scoring position last year. But he is someone that can play outfield, not terrible defensively, really strong arm, can still throw out dudes, and can still probably get you 20 to 25 home runs. So if you want someone that could platoon in the outfield, throw out some guys, and still hit a few bombs, I think Hunter, I think Hunter Renfro is your guy. But I wouldn't bring him in expecting like a major bounce back or like a 30-plus home run season. I would keep expectations low if we brought in a Hunter Renfro. And then the final guy that I want to discuss is Michael Conforto. Another dude with a little insider info, but this time on the San Francisco Giants. What's funny about Conforto, took off 2022 the whole year because he wanted to get more money or something. I don't know what he did in 2022. I don't think it's ever smart to take off years in your prime, but that's what Conforto did. And he came back in 2023 and put up like essentially the exact same stat line they put up in 2021. And so if you're looking at his last two years, Maybe he just who maybe he just is who he is based off the sample size of 2021, 2023. And that guy is just a platoon lefty bat 
who struggles against lefties and is I against righties. Like he's fine against righties. Like he's ah against righties and bad against lefties. And against righties, it's like a 740 OPS or something. Like he's fine against righties, but he really, really struggles against lefties. And on the road was not good last year. Uh, or actually, excuse me, I take that back. Actually, on the road, he was better last year. So if you want to do a little green flag for Conforto, maybe you just got to get him out of San Francisco. Maybe you hit. Maybe he would hit better in Arizona. He had an OPS about 150 points better when on the road, and it was still only about 750. So everything about Michael Conforto screams average. Everything about him just screams platoon lefty. But if you do need to know the one positive when looking at his stats, where runners scoring position last year, 859 OPS. So he might be a dude that could come through for you in the clutch. But if he's just your DH that platoons a little bit in the outfield, I think I would be okay with that. But I don't want to see 162 games of Conforto. 100 games, I think I would be okay with that as an addition. But honestly, segment number three, guys, Renfro and Conforto, a little bit lower on my list than a Jock Peterson. Like, honestly, if I had to do tiers, J.D. Martinez is tier one. I think Solaire, Reese Hoskins is like tier two. I think Duval, Justin Turner is tier three. I think Bell, Jock Peterson is tier four. And then I think Hunter Renfro, Michael Conforto is tier five, at least in terms of how I view these players. But of course, if you disagree with me, just go follow me on Twitter and respond to at thomas 24 or look up Lockdown Dimebacks on Twitter and Instagram, or just go into the comment section on YouTube, Lockdown Dimebacks, and you can rip me there. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back Friday, I think, for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.